Trapcast Express. Tratcast Express, it's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Last weekend, from September 30th through October 2nd, an event was hosted at a hotel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, called the Catholic Identity Conference. It was heavily promoted by The Remnant, and judging by in-person attendance, the event was quite popular. It was sold out. Now, I don't know how many people that was in total, but based on pictures I've seen, I'm guessing around 300. The lineup of speakers included some familiar recognize and resist personalities, including a few clerics. Let me name just a few. Michael Matt, editor of The Remnant, who was the master of ceremonies at the event. John Henry Weston, editor and co-founder of LifeSite. Christopher Ferrara, lawyer and Remnant columnist, historian John Rao, and others. As for clerics, I counted four traditionalist priests and three bishops. Core Bishop Anthony Spinoza of the Maronite Eparchy of Our Lady of Lebanon, the ever-elusive Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò, and, of course, everybody's favorite, the Kazakh Auxiliary Athanasius Schneider, who just recently celebrated the Novos Ordo Mise with Francis when he visited Kazakhstan in September. Before the very next day, after Francis had left, Schneider accused him of heresy. But that's not our topic now. Speaking of Catholic identity. Traditionally, the proper way to establish your Catholic credentials would be to point out that you have the approval of your local bishop, who in turn is in communion with the Holy See. And of course, we all know how insistent these recognize and resist traditionalists are when it comes to, well, recognizing the supposed legitimacy of the Novus Ordo shepherds whom they resist. Well, it turns out, not surprisingly, that the local Novus Ordo bishop in Pittsburgh, David Zubik, distanced himself from the conference, making clear that this event was not approved by the diocese. In a news article dated September 28th, The Pillar reported, quote, The Diocese of Pittsburgh says it does not encourage Catholics to attend a Pittsburgh conference Saturday, which is slated to urge Catholics to formal resistance of Pope Francis. The Diocese of Pittsburgh is in no way affiliated with this event. The Diocese does not support, endorse, or encourage people to attend this event, Diocesan spokesperson Jennifer Ankowiak told The Pillar, unquote. Ultimately, of course, the Roman Catholic identity is established by communion with the Roman pontiff. In his 1873 encyclical letter Quartus Supra, Pope Pius IX wrote, quote, For any man to be able to prove his Catholic faith and affirm that he is truly a Catholic, he must be able to convince the apostolic see of this. For this see is predominant, and with it the faithful of the whole church should agree. And the man who abandons the see of Peter can only be falsely confident that he is in the church. As a result, 
that man is already a schismatic and a sinner who establishes a see in opposition to the unique see of the blessed Peter from which the rites of sacred communion derive for all men. And then the Pope quotes some historical testimony and concludes, All these traditions dictate that whoever the Roman pontiff judges to be a schismatic for not expressly admitting and reverencing his power must stop calling himself Catholic. Unquote. That's the encyclical Quartus Supra of Pius IX, paragraph 9. So, the very idea of a Catholic identity conference against the Pope is already impossible, because submission to him, not simply the idea of submission in the abstract, but actual submission in the concrete, is the ultimate criterion of Catholicism. It is what guarantees your orthodoxy and your proper integration into the mystical body. That is the point of the papacy as a visible divine institution. That is why Christ established it. God has attached to the papacy certain divine gifts and prerogatives that cannot be thwarted by human effort. If it were possible for the papacy to be overcome it would have failed a long time ago. And that is why the enemies of the church had to install false popes after Pius XII to accomplish their nefarious deeds, because it would have been impossible to do with true popes. So, the idea of a Catholic identity that rejects genuine submission to the pope is an inherent contradiction. How then do the remnant and the other semi-trad organizations claim to have an authentic Catholic identity? Why, adherence to tradition, of course. But tradition itself refutes them because it is tradition, as Pius IX himself points out, that requires the submission to the Pope, which they're refusing to the man they recognize as the Pope. And, in any case, the final arbiter of tradition is the Pope, not each individual believer. You can't simply set yourself up as the final arbiter against the Pope, effectively overruling him. But that, of course, is exactly what they're doing, since they refuse to say that he's not a valid Pope. Well, then, the following words of Pope St. Pius X apply to them who warned against, quote, opposing the faulty judgment of some individual without any real competence or of their own inner conscience deceived by vain subtleties to the judgment and commandment of the one who by divine mandate is their lawful judge, master, and shepherd, unquote. That's from the 1909 address Con vera soddisfazione of Pope St. Pius X. Now, of course, one can certainly sympathize with these recognize and resist traditionalists, because obviously what Francis is doing is extremely bad. It is harmful to souls. It is anti-Catholic. It is disgusting, blasphemous, heretical, and so on. In short, it undermines faith, hope, and charity, and leads people to eternal damnation. So, of course, they're right to criticize him for all that. 
The problem is not their disagreement with what Jorge Bergoglio is teaching and doing. The problem is that in spite of it all, they still cling to the absurd idea that he is a true and valid pope. That totally undercuts their entire resistance and puts them in a situation of doing precisely what Catholic theology does not permit a Catholic to do, and what the theology of the papacy assures us will never have to be done. Withdraw yourself from submission to the Pope in order to protect your soul from heresy and other dangerous errors. God himself guarantees that you will never have to become a schismatic in order to keep from becoming a heretic. Now, even though there were three bishops in attendance, one of them via video connection, none of them is, nor has ever been, a local ordinary governing a diocese. Carlo Viganò was a nuncio, a Vatican ambassador, before his retirement. Anthony Spinoza, the core bishop, is a kind of auxiliary in a Maronite eparchy and currently rector of a basilica and shrine and he himself says that he has no jurisdiction, and in fact he's not even listed at the Catholic hierarchy website. And Athanasius Schneider is likewise only an auxiliary bishop. So, out of the three, one is a retired diplomat, another is a basilica and shrine rector, and the third is an auxiliary in an almost irrelevant diocese. I mean, compared to the global church at large. The Archdiocese of Maria Santissima in Astana, as it's called, is only responsible for roughly 60,000 Novos Ordos. That's 1.6%, 1.6% of the total population in the diocesan territory. Now, why am I bringing this up? It shouldn't matter what status a particular cleric has, since that doesn't make him right or wrong, in his argumentation, right? Of course, that is true. But I'm raising this matter in order to bring some much-needed perspective to this event. See, these resistance conferences look quite impressive when there are several bishops listed as speakers, right? That gives the whole event a certain additional layer of perceived authority and legitimacy, but in reality, when you look at this from the perspective of the Universal Vatican II Church, these people are nobodies. A retired nuncio, an Eastern Rite shrine rector, and an auxiliary bishop from a, a tiny diocese, tiny in terms of the number of people being shepherded, in the midst of the steppes of Central Asia. Folks, in the entire Vatican II Church, there are 5,610 bishops alive today. Now, that includes all of them. Active, retired, diocesan ordinaries, auxiliaries, Latin Rite, Eastern Rite, curial post, librarian, whatever you name it. All of them. And out of those 5,610, they got three. And not a single one of them is an active or retired diocesan ordinary. Yes, sometimes they get support from Joseph Strickland, who actually is an active ordinary Novus Ordo bishop in Tyler, Texas, but he's the only one. 
And then there's Cardinal Raymond Burke, but he's been retired since 2014. And frankly, I don't know what his stance is anymore as far as resistance and all that. Ever since he made a big deal about that fraternal correction that he announced he was going to issue against Francis and then didn't follow through with, he seems to have pretty much disappeared from everybody's radar. On August 7th this year, Burke preached a homily in Wisconsin in which he warned of an advancing apostasy in the church. He just seemed to have some trouble identifying the advanced apostate directing the whole thing. It's unfortunate. In any case, my point is that what may look like this huge and significant resistance event is, in the end, if you look at the total absolute numbers, little more than chicken dust. Okay? What is branded as some big Catholic identity conference with tough resistance and, you know, now we're going to show him and all that. In the end, it's little more than a pep rally in which all the people in attendance basically reassure each other with various arguments and anecdotes and stunts that they're on the right track no matter what Rome says or what Sedevacantists say. They're pretty much just preaching to the choir, though. And the only media outlets even covering the conference are their own and those that already agree with them. You know, Catholic Family News, 1 Peter 5, The Remnant, LifeSite. Oh, with one exception. Ladies and gentlemen, there was one exception to that. Well, one that I'm aware of, that is. And that is the pillar at PillarCatholic.com. The same pillar that I quoted from earlier. On September 30th, the first day of the conference, the Pillar published a news article entitled Papal Resistance Not Meant to Be a Protestant Revolution, Conference Organizer Claims. Now, that article is absolutely worth a complete read, and I've put the link in the show notes for this Express Tratcast because it is hilarious. I'm going to quote from it some because it is quite revealing. See, The Pillar is a fairly new website founded by two Novus Ordo canon lawyers, J.D. Flynn and Ed Condon, who are also journalists. And they're definitely on the more conservative side of things, but they're not traditionalists. And they're very professional in what they do. Their reporting isn't biased in favor of or against some agenda. And so they approached the Catholic Identity Conference with the proper neutral journalistic attitude, but of course asked some challenging questions. And you'll see how that went in just a moment. But first, let me point out that the Catholic Identity Conference had published a press release on September 22nd in order to get the word out and get some media attention. Here is what that press release said, quote, at 4.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 1st, a press conference will take place at the Catholic Identity Conference in the Grand Ballroom of the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel, Pittsburgh, Green Tree, 500 Mansfield Avenue. Three prominent lay Catholic spokesmen will present articles of charitable resistance against the Vatican and the pontificate of Pope Francis. There will be three five-minute interventions 
each covering a different and separate aspect of formal resistance on behalf of practicing American Catholics. Intervention 1. Resistance to Pope Francis's recent violation of natural justice, Traditionis Custodes, which constitutes religious discrimination against practicing Catholics. Intervention 2. Resistance based on Francis's undermining of the Church's established moral theology on contraception and divorce, Amoris Laetitia. Intervention 3. Resistance based on the Vatican endorsement of the World Economic Forum agenda, including climate change hysteria, as laid out in Laudato Si, as well as the worldwide lockdown, including of churches, all of which constitute crimes against God and humanity. After the interventions, there will be a 30-minute session in which presenters will take questions from members of the press. CIC press credentials will be required. Contact Tess Mullins to apply. Unquote. So, clearly, they're making it sound pretty serious. A press conference is going to put the world on notice that this nonsense the Pope has been doing will now be formally resisted. Like, whatever that means. Right, so... The pillar took this press release at face value and decided to ask some uncomfortable questions. Let me read from their September 30th article, which is pretty long, so I can only pick out a few things, and I'll be skipping around to make this easier. Listen to this. Quote, The director of an upcoming conference of Catholic traditionalists said Thursday that a plan to issue articles of resistance against Pope Francis is not meant to oppose the pontiff directly, while conceding that the provocative talk titles used at the Catholic Identity Conference help boost conference attendance. So it's not intended to be as combative as it sounds. Is it opposition to some of the Pope's policies? I mean, absolutely, but not to him as a person. Frankovich, a West Virginia attorney, told The Pillar. While the lawyer insisted that attendees at the Catholic Identity Conference are faithful Catholics, he conceded that the idea of formal resistance to the Pope, as expressed by conference organizers in a press release, could seem to run counter to that idea. And that's not the intention, he said. I mean, I didn't write the press release, but maybe it could have been worded better. Maybe it should have been something like opposition of the Pope's policies. Unquote. Okay, so we note that right off the bat, the organizer is already dampening the tone, saying he didn't write the press release. Alrighty, but it gets better. Quote, Asked about a section of the press release which accused the Pope of endorsing Crimes against God and humanity, Frankovich distanced himself, telling the pillar, I can't speak to that. That's not what I'll be talking about. Unquote. <laughs> okay, I guess we can just leave it at that. Now, as regards the question what the formal resistance on behalf of practicing American Catholics actually means the pillar decided to ask the person whose name appears on the press release as the official contact person for the conference, Miss Tess Mullins. Quote, She said the Articles of Resistance, 
were meant to encourage bishops and the Pope to continue allowing traditionalist Catholics to worship using the extraordinary form of the Mass. We're not advocating that anyone disobey or act out. Definitely nothing aggressive. We're not violent or anything like that. Resistance just means, in this case, that they're seeking to preserve what's been handed down in the Church to believe and protect all the dogmas of faith that we were taught to protect and defend. That's pretty much it. We just hope the extraordinary form can keep going. We're hoping that the Vatican will hear us and that the arguments are logical enough to make them rethink Traditionis Custodes, Mullins told The Pillar, unquote. All right, so apparently this formal resistance thing is just them basically doing their own thing and hoping the Vatican will give them back the traditional mass and listen to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. But gets better still. Quote, After the press conference was announced, organizers of the Catholic Identity Conference seem to have made some effort to distance themselves from the formal resistance plan. Mullins told the Pillar that while the press conference would take place during the Catholic Identity Conference, appeared on the conference schedule, and had been announced on conference letterhead, it was not actually a part of the conference. And while Mullins used a Catholic Identity Conference email address, offered to supply conference press credentials, and was identified to the pillar by the Catholic Identity Conference as a conference spokesperson, she insisted that she was not formally affiliated with the conference, and neither was the Articles of Resistance press conference. Unquote. Now, I'm starting to get dizzy here, honestly. Maybe we can go back to Eric Frankovich for a moment. And I'm still reading from the same Pillar article. Quote, Frankovich said he thought the idea of resisting the Pope had been largely misunderstood. I want to tell you I think some of these terms get kind of misconstrued and unintentionally so, the director explained. Evoking Galatians 2, Frankovich explained that St. Paul resisted St. Peter, the first Pope, to his face because he was clearly wrong. Unquote. Yeah, but St. Paul resisted St. Peter personally, to his face. And just moments ago, Frankovich had said that they're not resisting Francis as a person, just some of his policies. Oh, and as far as the question of heresy goes, Frankovich also had some interesting comments on that. Quote, the lawyer said that while some speakers at the Catholic Identity Conference have said Pope Francis is not Catholic or have accused the Pope of heresy, that's not the attitude at all in most diocesan and traditional order parishes. Those accusing the Pope of heresy do not speak for most traditionalist Catholics, Frankovich said, even if they do speak at the Catholic Identity Conference. Unquote. <laughs> and speak at the conference they do, such as Athanasius Schneider and John Henry Weston, who both signed the September 16th formal accusation of heresy against Francis, in which they rightly charge him with denying dogma defined at the Council of Trent. 
So this is all very puzzling, if you ask me. Resistance, yes, but not against the Pope himself, only against his policies, and then only some of them, just like St. Paul resisted St. Peter to his face. Uh, and that resistance language is kind of hyped up anyway to get the Vatican's attention. They don't quite mean it. And although some of the conference speakers accuse the Pope of heresy, most other people don't even agree with that. And then each speaker only speaks for himself anyway, which is why the press conference, that big boldly announced highlight, isn't even part of the event. And the official press spokeswoman isn't really affiliated with the conference either. She's just got a conference email address. But in any case, Frankovich clarified everyone there agrees that Francis is the Pope. So let's not sweat it, folks. <laughs> we wouldn't want to be crazy Sedevacanus now, would we? I mean, why would anyone think that the chaplain of the New World Order, who outlaws the traditional Latin Mass, helps to push the globalist Great Reset, encourages sodomites in their identity, denies infallible Catholic dogma, has repeatedly praised an Italian abortion icon, says that continual cohabitation with one and the same person is a real marriage, it teaches that God wills a diversity of religions and so much more, why would anyone think that that man is perhaps not the vicar of Christ who keeps the gates of hell from prevailing? I mean, that would obviously be outrageous. Now, I have to say that my favorite part in that whole Pillar article is the following. The Pillar asks Frankovich regarding some of the talks that have rather provocative titles, such as Francis' missionary genocide. And his response is that, yeah, these could have been phrased a little bit more smoothly, but that it's human nature when people are frustrated. They lash out, you know. And then... He says this, quote, And I'll grant you, maybe we should be a little more cautious with some of the titles that we're doing. I would grant you that some of it, I hate to say this, but, you know, some of it does generate enthusiasm and attendance of people. Unquote. Ah, so that tough resistance talk is more bark than bite. It gets people fired up and more conference tickets sold. Good to know. In any case, this article by The Pillar was most enlightening, and I really encourage everyone to read it in full. On Facebook, Michael Matt called it an attack piece, but it's really not. It's just coverage from journalists who don't have a bias in favor of what they're doing. They ask some critical questions, and look at how quickly the interlocutors started backpedaling, relativizing. Clearly, they were not prepared for even the slightest challenge to their resistance position. Now, these three prominent lay Catholic spokesmen at that press conference were Eric Frankovich, John Henry Weston, and Michael Matt. But honestly, folks, outside of the choir to which they're preaching, almost nobody would know who these people are. Now, you may be familiar with them, if you're into these topics and you frequent 
conservative Novus Ordo or semi-trad websites or even just Novus Ordo Watch, since we do talk about them. But most of the pew-sitters in the Vatican II Church wouldn't have a clue as to who these three laymen are, especially not Eric Frankovich, whom even I had never heard of before. And I'm not trying to fault them for this. Okay? I'm really just trying to put things into perspective by stating a fact, a fact which perhaps they are not quite so aware of because they're always operating within their bubbles. What this press conference ultimately amounted to was three people who are virtually unknown in the Novus Ordo world listing some of Francis' outrageous teachings and deeds, condemning them, and announcing that they won't follow him in those things. Well, whoop-dee-doo. What else is new? On Facebook, Michael Matt is saying that this press conference was a great success. Now, I have no idea how he would measure that. Obviously, the people in attendance were going to applaud because they already agree with them anyway, right? So else they wouldn't be attending in the first place. Now, just for comparison's sake, to put some more perspective into this, the cringy Los Angeles Religious Education Congress draws approximately 40,000 people every year, okay? I mean, that event is uber-modernist utopia with crazy enculturated liturgies and speakers like James Martin and Richard Rohr, okay? So just for comparison's sake, I really don't know what they think they'll accomplish with their identity crisis conferences other than provide mutual comfort and support, basically. At the same time, let's not be too hard on them either. There is nothing they can do, not for as long as they insist on recognizing Francis as a true pope. That is all the recognition he needs, because that is what gives him all his perceived authority. Whether they resist him or not, or issue some declaration defying his errors, even to his face, folks, it simply doesn't matter. Bergoglio is not going to lose any sleep over it. If he's the Pope, he wins. It's as simple as that. That is how our blessed Lord set up the Catholic Church, and so that is actually a good thing. The problem is not how the papacy works. The problem is that there is a usurper in Rome, a man claiming to be Pope who isn't. There is no way around that conclusion, and it is a necessary one if you want to safeguard your Catholic identity. Tratcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tratcast.org. And if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.